0: We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by Huey Lewis and the news today. <laughs> Just kidding. I totally wish that was true. But we're brought to you by RealTalkick.com. I'm your host, David. I got the fellows with me today. What's up, Bry?
1: Great Scott. What's going on, everybody?
0: What's up, Leo?
2: Whoa, that's heavy. Yes. What's up, guys? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and I think you guys can guess that today we are covering the 35th anniversary of Back to the Future, but not just that. We are looking at the entire trilogy, the 31st anniversary of Back to the Future Part 2 and the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future Part 3. Um, We're going to dive in, do our usual reel-it-back categories, but before that, I did want to get into... A little discussion on Hamilton, but we got to have some fun first. The movie tagline game went so well last week that I brought it back. But this time, comic book films.
2: What? (laughs) Yes.
0: So all these today are comic book films. And I have gone on record off the the line and said that I don't think Ryan and Leo, who love comic book films, are going to get anything right here.
2: Oh my lord. I think I think we're right. I think we're going to lose our geek cards.
0: I know, and I run a page. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping, and I will say before I even start these, I don't think I would have gotten all of them. So, some of them yes, some of them I'm like, "Oh, this is actually really hard." So, I will give you guys the benefit of the, of the doubt and say I think if you do guys get maybe 2 or 3, you guys still keep your geek card. <laughs>
1: Okay. No All right, pressure. So, no pressure. <laughs> Ryan, I'm going
0: to start with you today since I always leave you last. And I got more complaints last week that you get the easiest ones. <laughs> so, number one, <clears throat> protect the law by breaking it. Punisher? Incorrect. Leo, do you want to guess before I say the answer?
2: Uh, Judge Dredd.
0: Wrong. The green hoarded.
2: Oh, no. Never uh, that i didn't
0: know <laughs> next up leo revenge gets ugly i'm telling you these these are hard these are very hard but it's a comic book movie. they're all comic book movies all tw- i have 12 today they're all comic book movies uh as ryan is looking it up and ryan don't look it up i got I'm it not- i got
2: I can't think of any. It's Revenge. Oh, uh, Darkman
0: 2. <laughs> Incorrect. What about you, Ryan? Any guesses? Uh, none. Jonah Hex.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, duh. oh,
0: yeah. Here's where you both may start, you know, hitting yourselves for these. Ryan, <clears throat> it's not the arbor that makes the hero, but the man inside. Iron Man no are you sure is that uh, your final answer Ry? is that your final uh, answer
1: iron
2: man 3
0: incorrect leo any guesses
2: all right considering your reaction to iron man and iron man 3 was wrong iron man 2 there you
0: go you guys got one <laughs> congratulations i mean you were on the right page right i was like i was hoping that you were gonna say a sequel all right next up leo courage is immortal I would say that this one, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I guess he's a hero, so of course he has cor- courage, but I don't really think this has too much correlation to the movie, but I'll see what you guess.
2: Comic books, courage is immortal. Uh, the 1990s Captain America.
0: Incorrect. Right, any guesses? Uh, Thor? Good good <laughs> guess, right. Correct. That is correct. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Good job. All right. So you guys got two. You guys definitely are going to keep your geek cards here. All right. Next up, Rive, when patriots become heroes.
1: Captain America. Okay. (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: I'm going to stick with uh, First Avenger. Well
0: done, you guys. Three in a row. Good job. All right. Next up, Leo, in our darkest hour, there will be light.
2: Oh, Green Lantern!
0: Good job! Oh, see, you guys are doing fantastic. Rye, the untold story begins. Oh, I know this. You actually do know this? I think I
1: know this, but I can't think of it. It's like right there. The untold story. I've like remember seeing this before too. Oh my god, this is gonna
0: bother me. I think it will. (laughs) <laughs> because I I would I I probably would give you the most credit for this one because there's no fucking way I would have gotten this.
2: Yeah, like whose story hasn't been told,
0: <laughs> and which story is untold?
2: Okay, yeah, I'm throwing my
0: hands up on this one. All right, any guesses, Leo? Story begins. I think it's stupid. To be completely honest with you, I think this one's really ridiculous. Especially because I'll give you a hint: it is a reboot of a franchise that already has movies. That's why I think okay. it's. A, I think. Okay. Van stick Close, but no. Uh, Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man.
2: I was thinking that, too. Damn it. I knew. Really? The Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? That's what they went.
0: Yeah, because in my head, I'm like, well, I've seen this story before. It's definitely not untold. All right, Rye, We got a few more here. The Legend Ends. Um, Dark Knight Rises? Very good. Good job. Ooh. I I I picked this one specifically for Leo. That's why I started with you, right? Okay. His, his past, our future.
2: Past,
0: our future. Tough one. Yeah, so it's funny. Actually, uh, so it, it I will say this, this really works with the movie, with what the movie's about.
2: So it's funny. My my original thought is
0: Logan you're in the right area. Is it Origins? No. It is an X-Men movie. It is, X-Men, is it Days Days of... Of Fe... yep. X-Men Days of Future Past.
2: Oh, wow. They really went heavy into like, this is about Wolverine, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> like this is a Wolverine movie to make up for the other <laughs>
0: <laughs> Right. This one is definitely something that you love, a movie that you think it's one of the best comic book movies of all time. Change is coming. All uh... right. Um, no idea.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> change is coming. And it's one of my f- fan, something that I love. So I'm going to say that you said it facetiously. So, fan force. Well
0: done. That is correct, Ryan. <laughs> that oh, is correct. Bro,
2: bro. <laughs>
0: Two more. Leo. A new age begins.
2: Uh, X Men First Class.
0: (laughs) Incorrect. Right? Any any guesses? A New Age Begins. uh, Man of Steel. Incorrect. Avengers: Age of Ultron. Oh, because it's
2: an age. You actually play? Actually did it right. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So Casey
1: guessed it off air and got it right. (laughs) Oh, well done,
0: Casey. All right. So I am going to say that this is a tagline because. When I looked it up, it's actually listed as a tagline for this last one. I don't buy it because I never saw it on a poster. But, hey, whatever. Let's see if any of you guys guess. And it's uh, who is it, Rye or Leo? I think it's me. Okay. okay. Rye, take us home. Only one will claim the night. Um, I'm going to say the Dark Knight. In the right ballpark, but not correct. Leo, any guesses before we, before I say it?
2: Right. Right ballpark. Only one will claim the night. Yes. But you said you've never seen it on a poster.
0: I've never seen it on a poster. And I think that that's a dead giveaway. It's a
2: stretch, but... The whole fact that he keeps saying, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Is it Batman 89? It is
0: correct. That is correct. Batman 89. Is that
2: not tagline. That is not a tagline.
0: Yeah, I, I thought so too. And I was like, you know what? I want to finish it with Batman. So I'm like, let me see if there's actually a tagline. And so I looked it up and I'm like, I, I, I've i never heard this before, but I think the guys love Batman enough to actually be in the right ballpark or guess it correctly. And You guys were like, ryan knew it was a batman movie and you finished it off so i was like i guess but i i I, the big hint i gave you guys was i never saw it on a poster because the poster doesn't have anything but the bat logo so (laughs) but yeah that wraps this week's name that tagline this was fun i think you guys did great i didn't think you guys were going to do as good as you did so um good job next week jenny should be back so we will range it out to movies from the 1910s or nineteen fifteen or 1920s just to like get her uh get her brain working <laughs> so we are gonna skip news this week because nothing really worth noting was released this week but i did want to talk about one thing one thing we all watched hamilton i want to f- i want to start by saying that i feel so glad i can finally talk to someone about this after four years Because in 2016, I saw the show with that same cast, and um, it was the greatest Broadway experience I ever had. But because tickets were so, 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 so expensive, um, I didn't have anyone to talk to except Jenny until I annoyed her. But (laughs) I can say that that soundtrack, since 2016, has been playing on the regular, easily on my rotation at least once a month. It is such a great, great, great soundtrack. But we'll kick this off because the main discussion I want to make is do you guys consider it a movie? And do you guys think it should go towards Oscar or the Emmys? But let's kick it off. I want to start with Ryan here because I've kind of already got Leo's take on it. Ryan, what do you think of it?
1: No, I thought it was really well done. I definitely got the hype behind it. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. and I can't wait to watch it again.
0: Did you... um before i go to leo did you peep the um hip-hop homages like uh 10 crack commandments with the 10 dual commandments yeah and they have um also they have more biggie um homages homages to mob deep i think homages to um tricol quest Nas, a lot of old school east coast hip-hop artists so it was it's good stuff and then uh leo what do you think
2: yeah, same, dude. Like, um, I think a couple of years ago, a friend of mine just let me hear a song, just one song, out of context, and like I really, I, I, didn't, I didn't jump on board. I was like, oh, this is okay. Um, but watching the performance from beginning to end, and like, mind you, I've watched it twice already now because I'm like, I'm hooked on it. Like in the actual context of the storytelling, it's masterful. Yep. Like the lyrics were like they just blew me away. Um, it was, uh, yeah, like, uh, Lynn Murray, um,
0: Lin-Manuel manuel Miranda. Miranda
2: freaking did incredible on this. Like, yeah, like how, how he, um, tied in all different genres of music. He made it very contemporary, very easy to follow. Um, yeah, dude, like I caught myself like Googling historical events and I'm like, yo, that did happen. And <laughs> um, I th- it, was, it was, it was
0: awesome. And I think, um, I'll, talking to a friend off the line, he was asking me, he hasn't seen it yet and he was like what do you th- what do you think the purpose of the show is and i and i thought to myself okay do you mean why there's minority representation for every character or just the purpose of the show and i think well and he asked just the overall purpose of the show like for me what you just said is the purpose of the show because a lot of people they've heard of Alexander Hamilton but they don't know anything about Alexander Hamilton we we were taught And I can remember from U.S. history in in high school and grammar school, like, you learn about George Washington, you learn about Thomas Jefferson, you learn about these founding fathers, but you really didn't spend too much time in Alexander Hamilton. So I think what the show's main goal was, was not only to show that, you know, there's someone else that was heavily involved in the building of our country, but the fact that he was an immigrant Yep. And the fact that especially in the culture, in the country we're living in right now, where everyone, sh- you know, not everyone, but a good, pri- a, good, a good majority of people just frown upon Im- immigrants. I think this it came out at the perfect time in 2016. And this came out an even better time with everything yeah. going on. And I think the incorporation of all every character being a minority, I think obviously that elevated it. But I'm with you. I think the script is masterful. And for those unaware, Hamilton was nominated for 16 Tony nominations. I think that was the record at the time. It won 11 Tonys. It won, obviously, Best Musical. It won Actor, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Best Script, I think Production Design, all that fun stuff. So it. the funny thing is that when I was talking to someone else about the show, they are like, oh, Lynn won... Uh, best actor, right? And I'm like, no, he didn't. I was so hyped when I was watching the Tony's. Leslie won best actor and he played Aaron Burr. So, nice. so well well deserved. Well I, deserved. Absolutely. I think he was the best in show. I think him and Dev David Diggs, who won supporting actor at the Tony's, yes. those two were the best part of the show, like performance so wise.
2: I, I think Diggs, I think Aaron Burr was killer. I loved King George. Oh and my god, I yes. It was Jonathan yes. Groff. I was like, and I saw he was nominated too. I was yes. like, oh yeah, he absolutely because he was on the he was on stage for like a total of like ten minutes, and every minute he was on there, he just like hilarious.
0: It. <laughs> I I remember when I saw the show live. I'm like, oh, this seems like a choice. Like you're gonna like slow it down a bit with this King George guy, but as soon as he starts singing, I'm like, oh, this guy's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah,
2: dude. I I know Groff. I know Groff from Glee. Oh, okay. familiar to me. And then and then you hear him sing, I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. But, yeah, no, absolutely. Aaron Burr and Thomas Jefferson, other than King George, were my, my highlights. I think they were amazing.
0: So I got to ask because some people are are, are starting to see that um, Davy Diggs and Anthony Ramos, and I think I'm one more person, they play different characters in the second act. Did you guys get that right away? Did you guys take a while to realize, oh, wait, they're playing different people? I got got it it right away. What about you, Leo?
2: Yeah, same, same. I got it. I got it.
0: I also loved the fact that, especially me loving old school hip hop, the fact that when they're in Congress debating, it's a fucking battle rap. Oh, yes. (laughs) That was like already when I saw it in 2016. I'm like, that's the way I explained it. I'm like, yo, they debate in Congress but it's a battle rap they're like what are you talking about i'm like you just have to see it they literally george washington is the mc and thomas jefferson and hamilton are battle rapping and it's glorious that just oh my god it's just so good i we can sit here and praise it but all all, the entire episode but let's get to the point do you think it's a movie leo Uh,
2: so it's tough my definition of what a movie is has changed a lot since joining the show, mm-hmm. um, I think it's expanded. Like, honestly, I never would have imagined that a a, a documentary like the O.J. Simpson case of, in the 30 for 30 or even the last uh, dance in the 30 for 30 would be considered eligible. But, like, I, I, you know it's what? Tough. It's, it's, it's tough. tough. I would say it's tough. It's tough. Because th- a lot of work did go into this production. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's, yeah, I, I can't, I, I would probably defer to people that know the material better than me.
0: All right. uh, Rye, what do you think?
2: I'm going to go with,
1: yeah, like a shot for a camera. It's, you know, it's shot so it can be seen. So, sorry, let me try again. Shot for camera. So it can be seen for the masses. And who knows, maybe Disney wanted to put it out for in the theaters. We don't know what the original plan was. So maybe it was supposed to go on. So with everything going on, it could like we just have to deal with what it is now. And I think it could get a real shot.
0: So I do have that information for you. I did research on this, my friends. Um, the movie oh. was supposed to come out in theaters next October. So it was going to be released in theaters October 2021. So let's get that off. You know, we're going to start with that. I personally think it's a movie. Many here I have a few reasons and some facts, and I'll, I'll just go through them real quick. So when you, I go to musicals a lot, and when you go to a musical, you see the play, the musical from one vantage point, from your seat to the stage. Choices were made about how to make this cinematic throughout the entire show. There are times that you see the camera shooting from the back, from the top. They do everything possible to make this more of a cinematic experience rather than you just sitting in front of a uh, on in the front row of a, a Broadway theater watching the show that 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 makes it to me like they're trying to make this more of a cinematic experience. I understand the other side, whether, oh, you know, it's not the for, it's not the normal narrative. Here's my I mean, the film does have a narrative from beginning to end. Yes, it's not the same thing, but it goes back to what Leah um, was saying earlier. Some don't even consider documentaries a movie. I mean, and that doesn't really, you could I don't think you could even make that argument. I think documentaries are movies, but there's some people that don't feel that documentaries are films. And that's perfectly fine. I have some more. So in regards to whether or not this thing could be a big player at the Oscars. It, there's a lot of factors that could come into play because I think Disney chooses to push it towards the Emmys. It could do that. We'll we'll find out at the end of the year. But I found this information not on Twitter. I point to 1975's Give Him Hell Harry. Give Him Hell Harry is a biographical play and a 1975 film ran by playwright Samuel, Samuel Galoo and the both playing the film are a one-man show about former president of the U.S., Harry S. Truman. Now, why do I bring that up? Because a one-man stage show was nominated for Best Actor at the Academy Awards. And and that's considered a movie. I can't see how something that is more than a one-man show, a complete experience, should not be considered a movie. That's kind of where I'm at. If we do get to this point that it does qualify for the Oscars, I think that unless something really, really gets everyone on board, I think with the the way the world is today, I think with the representation in Hamilton, I think this wins Best Picture. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I think it could get picture, actor, two supporting actors, Supporting actors, production design, cinematography, original song, and we'll see where it goes from there. I mean, I think if you guys, if if listeners have not seen Hamilton, we're not just, you know, we're not just, you know, blowing it. Blowing smoke. Yeah, we're not blowing smoke up our ass. This is an incredible achievement that needs to be seen by everybody. So... I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, and I'm glad I can finally talk about this to someone else because this is (laughs) it's it's too good to have talked to just Jenny and annoy her for four years about it. So uh, if you guys have any comments on Hamilton, definitely shoot us a DM and let us know what you think. All right. So that brings us to what we're here today. We're going to talk about the greatest time travel movie to Leo and me Uh, of all time.
2: Oh, yeah. It's funny. I had forgotten what happened last week. You're (laughs) totally right.
0: Um, we're going to talk about Back to the Future. Now, Back to the Future is in my top five favorite films of all time. So this is, this is this is a a special one for me. But is it one of your favorite films, or is it just a movie you really like? I'll start with Leo on this one.
2: Oh uh, no, I love it! I freaking adore this movie. Um, I think it's it just just like I remember like seeing it the first time. I remember. Like the the rebirth of the movie when I found out so many people were fans of it and like the huge fandom that happened, I went to like a a, a movie screening by the cinema club that reenacts certain scenes themselves. Um, and it was like they did it under the uh, reenactment of the uh, Enchantment Under the Sea dance. So <laughs> That's great. Everyone was dressed like we went to. Um, uh, and then like you and I were a present at New York Comic Con with that whole big thing with like they gave out the the Pepsi sodas. Yeah. Yeah, it it uh, it's just uh it, it it slowly I think I became a bigger fan the older I got just because I got to understand more of the intricacies in the story and the movie and just the biggest impact that it had on on, on society.
0: Agreed, Varai. What about you?
1: It's funny because if you were to ask me a couple months ago, like if I would have said, I was just a movie I enjoy, but the more like lists we do the more i realize that i like it more and more because it's more and more on my list (laughs) so i would have to say that it's definitely one of my favorite movies
0: so i think we're i'm gonna have fun i did have fun with the with doing this age best and worst but before we even get to the fun parts i'm gonna just say i think this is as close to a perfect movie as it gets and when i mean perfect like i think godfather godfather 2 are like perfect in terms of for cinephiles But what I mean by perfection with Back to the Future is that it's a cultural event. You don't have just cinephiles that love it. You have casual moviegoers that watch it and love it. So I feel like Back to the Future is kind of the perfect movie for everybody. And I think 35 years later, I still still think that it is absolutely perfect. There is, To me, it's the easiest two hours that you can get watching a movie. It is so, so fun. But let, let's get into the production of it. I do have a little bit of notes. There is a lot of casting things that I'm going to get into more in the fun facts because there's one well-known thing that you guys may know already about Michael J. Fox and the original casting. So I will get to that later. But in regards to the production of the movie, writer and producer Bob Gale conceived Back to the Future after visiting his parents in St. Louis, Missouri. After the release of used cars, searching through their basement, Gail found his father's high school yearbook and discovered he was president of his graduating class. Because of that, he didn't know that his father was even president of his class. It came up. He started coming up with the idea of what would it be like to be in high school with my dad? And then he pitched the idea to Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis thought of, you know, it was a good idea. And they began to work on the script. So they set the story in 1955 because an 18-year-old in 1985 traveling to meet his parents at the same age uh, uh, mathematically required the script to travel to the, that decade. And I think – I don't know if you guys agree. I think the fact that it is in the 50s helps the movie a lot yeah. because there's there's such a, a charm of the 1950s that was on full display even though they're on a sound set. So. The first draft of Back to the Future was finished in February 1981 and presented to Columbia who put the film in turnaround. They thought it was a really nice, cute, warm film, but not sexual enough. I I think it's yeah, I think it has enough. They suggested that they take the script to Disney and they decided to see if any other major studios wanted a piece of the of the film. Every studio rejected the script for the next four years while they went through two more drafts. During the early nineteen eighties, um you had those those raunchy comedies, porkies, fast times of Ridgemont High. They were more risque and adult themed. So Back to the Future actually looked in in compared to those movies, it's kind of light. Um, they finally pitched Back to the Future to Disney but disney said that they felt the story of a mother falling in love with her son was not appropriate for a family (laughs) film under the disney brand and to say disney hasn't really changed much they still you know (laughs) care about their brand so eventually they went to steven spielberg who um was on board he loved the screenplay But he was absent to the project uh, development because Zemeckis felt if he produced another flop under him, he would never be able to make another movie. So after Zemeckis made Romancing the Stone, which was a big hit, it finally opened the doors for Universal to make the movie. And here we are now. Uh, Back to the Future was released on July 3rd, 1985. And... For a budget of 19 million, and in 1985, it took home 389.1 million dollars. So the fact that we're and this is not for inflation to show you how much money that movie made in '85. So, th- in terms of the trophy room, we're going right in here. The movie won Best Sound Effects Editing. While Zemeckis and Gale were nominated for Best Original Screenplay, The Power of Love was nominated for Best Original Song. And the movie was nominated for best sound mixing. Do you? Did you guys hear what I missed? I mean, there's a one couple of
2: things under yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I'm not gonna forgive picture, but I'm gonna put that to the side. One of the top ten greatest film scores of all time was not nominated for best original score. Yeah, my mind blowing
2: that's just as iconic as like the movie. Like I, I, wow.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, well, I mean, we can, I say that, but I don't believe Danny Elfman was nominated for Batman either. So it just shows that some of the greatest scores of all time were missed by the Oscars. Uh, the film won the Hugo award for best dramatic presentation. It won the Saturn award for best science fiction film, Michael J. Fox and the visual designers won categories at the Saturn awards and at the BAFTAs, it was nominated for Best Picture, Original Screenplay, Visual, Spec- Visual Effects, Production Design, Editing, and at the Globes, it was nominated for Best Picture, Original Song, Best Actor, Best Screenplay. No one nominated the score. <laughs> wow. I I, I I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they were listening to. What, Unless- what other what, what other scores came out in the mid eighties? Yeah, actually, while while you guys are talking about the the travesty about not the score not being nominated. I'm going to look up the nominees that year.
2: Um yeah, I'm like that's yeah. incredible. Like the, the hopefully there was something really iconic that came out in 85.
0: I I don't I I mean I, I can't I, think of anything. I'll I can't think of head. anything. <laughs> I really can't think of anything. It's um I mean it should have been nominated for this picture too, so but I can see why it wasn't because of how I think if it came out today it would be nominated for Best Picture. I don't as looking and looking at what was nominated, I can see that that was should have been nominated for Best Picture. Um, so I'm looking right now at the score, and the score nominees were Out of Africa, The Color Purple, Silverado, and Witness, and Agnes of God. Wow! But you can't get back to I. I'm not gonna lie i've never heard any of these scores and i see witness and i don't remember much of that score so i i i got nothing i i got nothing there it, it was it's pretty ridiculous in my in my personal opinion but let's get let's move on to what's age worse and what's age best i got a lot of shit here fellas so leo For
2: for work for worse or for well That's I got,
0: good. i got it for both Ooh, poorly
2: I have like a solid 3, okay. but I could I, I couldn't find too many things.
0: All right, so I some of these are fun, some the a lot of these are just nitpick fun things that I thought would be funny to bring up, but uh I'll 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 go last here, Rye. I why don't you kick us off with what's what's age worse for you? Uh
1: the incest oh. right off the bat. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's on
0: my list too and that's not a joking one either. <laughs>
1: like it's, it's half joking and half serious. Yeah, like... yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, I mean, she didn't know.
1: I know, but I mean, sometimes <laughs> you just know, you know.
2: She did know at the kiss. At the kiss. kiss. At, the kiss. He, at the kiss. Yeah.
1: Yes, true. True. I'll give her that. Um, Marty checking out other girls right in front of Jennifer. Yes. That cool. I love you, ryan
0: I love you for that.
1: <laughs> Animal experimentation.
0: <laughs> Einstein. Oh, yeah. You talking about Einstein? Einstein.
1: Iny, need, I need, yeah. Yeah, he experiments on Einstein. He uses Einstein in the car. I guess
0: you're right. Yeah, that's true.
1: And the term reefer addicts. I t- personally took a
0: little offense to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and Biff's rapiness. Yep, in I the ga-
0: car. I have that too. What about you, Leah? What do you have?
2: Yeah, I have incest is number one. <laughs> Easily. Um Fifth, sexually harassing Lorraine is, yeah, that's a terrible look. Uh, um, actually, I have Michael J. Fox's singing or the dubbed singing scene.
0: Definitely, it's definitely dubbed. Um, I, for 25 years that I've been loving this movie, I always thought he sang it. Uh, it definitely wasn't him.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely dubbed. Um, and I think the quintessential question that every Back to the Future fan wants to know why are Marty and Doc?
0: yes perfect (laughs) because i can kick this off because that's my number one why is this old ass man friends with a teenager where did they meet how why are they even this close it doesn't yeah yeah i'm with you why are they even friends and it's crazy it's one of the best duos in movie history right
2: (laughs) absolutely yes
0: yeah that's that's aged really poorly for me as well all right here i go the importance of clocks there's a lot of clocks in Back to the Future, and none of them matter anymore because we all have iPhones. True. <laughs> uh, giant speakers turn to the max. I think that's aged pretty ba- pretty poorly. M- Marty turning on the speakers to the max and thinking that he's not going to blow out the entire uh, garage. Marty has a boyfriend. I think that is... He's not a great boyfriend, and I don't know what Jennifer's doing with him. I think he she can do better.
2: Yeah, especially... Jennifer One is freaking gorgeous.
0: Yes, I love Jennifer One. Um, Marty's Band, that's age worse. They're pretty garbage. Uh, George being a peeping Tom. I'm surprised you guys didn't have that.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) uh, Uncle Joey still being in jail despite two different alternative 1985s exist now. Um, 1955 high school security. How did this old man and non-student get into the high school like nothing? Um, Biff trying to rape Lorraine I have that The DeLorean starter this, That car never wants to start <laughs> <laughs> um, Pepsi free That's aged poorly Because it doesn't exist anymore And finally Why does Marty have so much clothing In California in 1985
2: There's so many layers On that kid's look So I counted
0: He's wearing a t-shirt He's wearing a button down He's wearing suspenders He's wearing a jacket and then he's wearing the life preserver. And he doesn't sweat. I never see him sweat. He is immune to sweat. And he's, and he's
2: like, if we're talking part one, he's like skateboarding away from a car yep. and like no sweat.
0: <laughs> and finally, Libyan terrorist.
2: Yes, Libyan terrorist. Not a good
0: look. Not a good look. All right. So, what about Age Bess? Rye, take it away.
1: Um, I have the music, you know, the score and the music itself, Um, the comedy, George McFly's McFly's character development throughout the the movie.
0: Terrible person as an actor, but whatever. Yeah, I I like George McFly a lot. I'm with you. Anything else, Ray? Uh, No, that's it. All right. What about you, Leo? Uh,
2: The intro, I think it's still one of the best intros in in movies. Um, The morning chore gadgets that doc has in his lab. I think you people still kind of geek out and imagine what life could be like if you just had all those gadgets for yourself. Agreed. Um, Goldie Wilson as a mayor, I think aged pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of movie geeky stuff like save the clock tower scene, yep. the makeup that they use for aging them, the, uh, the continuity of how it's twin pines before the time travel and it's lone Yes. Afterwards. Love that. Um, Choosing the DeLorean, I think, aged really well Thank because God. the DeLorean wasn't a very popular car at all. And like this movie made it so relevant.
0: <laughs> um, it's crazy because uh, I saw a documentary on the DeLorean and I think the DeLorean company went out of business right before the movie came out. They did. Yeah. Yep. If, the, if they could have lasted a few more months, oh, my God, they'd probably still be in business today
2: absolutely I, th- I think you can count like with like it's less than 100 deloreans that still exist mm-hmm. uh but now they're all iconic because of the movie um the 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 of the, the songs mr sandman the minute that comes on you know exactly what's going on um the references to darth vader and planet Vulcan. Yes. uh <laughs> so star trek and star wars get shout outs um, and honestly, um, the fact that they bring in weed, I think weed aged really well. Yeah, like that. It, 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 it was treated very like nonchalantly. It wasn't like a big taboo, and it, as it should be. Like okay, that's cool. It's over. Nice. And um, and honestly, one of my favorite things is the incredible build up to a sequel because it was effortless and it didn't seem so, forced and fake at all. I'm so happened.
0: glad you mentioned that because I have a fact that you probably didn't know. Regarding the sequel in my fun facts, I think you'd probably be surprised. And it makes, and it makes the sequel happening even more effortless. So I'm, I agree with you there, Leo. Alrighty. Anything else, Leo? Is that it?
2: Uh, no, no, no. All Uh, right, cool. Honestly, it it was was tough not to list the whole, the whole movie. (laughs) Mm Yeah.
0: So I have here aviator sunglasses have aged really well because they still are very popular today. Uh, the DeLorean reveal is still one of the best reveals of all time. The end sequence where Marty goes back to 1985 is one of my favorite things. I just love it. There's there. We know he's going back, but they built such tension towards the end of that movie that it still holds up really well. Huey Lewis Huey Lewis has aged really well. The fact that power of love is my, one of my what, my wedding entrance song. I think that shows how he's still relevant today. Uh, Jennifer being a great girlfriend. She's supportive, even though he has a terrible band and tells him that he, he's going to make it as a rock star and while my uh while Marty looks at other girls Nike sneakers have aged well. Uh I also have Goldie Wilson's political career. I have that as well. Time travel has aged well because um you know, we're all traveling to we all wish to travel to a better <laughs> time right now. Uh Calvin Klein has aged well. Uh Lorraine and Marty's first interaction, I think that's still hilarious when he wakes up in her bedroom uh marty meeting 1955 doc love that uh earth angel and johnny be good scene that's still great uh this is for leo because i'm shocked he didn't mention it and this is a common thread at every comic con we go to this has aged really well there's that word again heavy why are things Uh... so heavy in the future is there something wrong with the earth (laughs) gravitational pull
2: Seriously,
0: <laughs> I love that line, bro. <laughs> Ryan, I-, I swear to you, every Comic Con year, we say it. And if it's, we, and we never do it in the right order. Sometimes I say the last part and sometimes Leo says it, but it's always, it's always on cue. Um, nice. oh, and you guys probably didn't see this because I didn't fucking know about this until I rewatched it. So when Marty goes back to 1985, I think this is, this specific thing is aged so well because it shows how. Small detail oriented. The movie was the bum that's in the the bench when Marty comes back to 1985. That is the mayor of Hill Valley in 1955. Red, right? Yep. So I didn't know that. And when I when I saw that, I'm like, oh wait a minute. This guy looks. This guy looks like the fucking mayor guy from the picture. Ooh. Dave, Dave. Maybe you can answer this
2: because I, I I I can't be. I can't figure it out. When um when Marty is in 19 oh he's in, I think he's in he's in two thousand fifteen yeah um
0: who's the old guy trying to get him to sign the petition oh so um he is oh, man I can't I can't put oh man he isn't he is in the alternate nineteen eighty five as no I'm lying. It's not the same person because I don't know if he should be that old. Actually, no, he should be that old. He is the guy in 1955 that is the one that gives old Biff or young Biff at the time the bill for the 300 bucks for the car. He's the worker. He's the worker at that garage. Yeah. So I, I was looking for him because I'm like, I know that everyone old is someone, someone in the old, in, you know, in the other the other time frame and i was wondering because i never picked peep that and then i was looking specifically when i watched two i'm like i want to find out who this guy is yeah yeah so when you watch two or if you just youtube that scene yeah that's the same guy all righty so before we get to our categories there's a question that was trending on in april and i do have that as one of my fun facts because bob gale spoke about it do you think lorraine and george should should they remember marty I'll let Leo yes. go first. Oh, okay, right. Well, you started it, so go ahead. You think so? My bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, someone who had that much of an impact on your relationship, you don't re- recognize or remember them whatsoever, or no mention of them, um, nothing. Like, don't men- don't name your kids after them, at least. What
0: about you, like, Leo?
2: So it's funny, that same that I, mean, I remember this whole thing, um, and it, it convinced me otherwise. I, I don't think they should. It's it's think about it, it's a kid they knew for three days. Yep. Like it wasn't like they had long friendships with him. I can't remember people I had in my classroom in high school with David. And I had whole
0: years with these people. Yeah, we have four years. I can tell you to go to piggyback off Leo, and I do have something to merit Ryan's point as well. We were in the same homeroom for four years, and I remember probably two faces there outside of Leo, our buddy Alejandro and my cousin Jessica. That's it. I don't remember anyone else from our homeroom, and that's four years, let alone three days. So I I definitely see where Leo's coming from, but Jen made a good point when we were watching, which goes to your point, Rye. Maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe he do, they don't remember his face, but if you remember at the end of the movie when she when Marty leaves him and she's like Marty, that's a nice name, I think she remembers enough to name him their son Marty. But they don't remember a face, like they don't remember his face because I I I probably wouldn't either. But that's I think there's a there's a way you can defend both of these arguments, but I, I'm more on the they probably don't remember because I don't remember a lot of people I I know in high school either, so. And I think Jen is on, I think she's on your side, right? If I remember correctly. Oh, I know.
1: We're finally on the same side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Greece 2 is the other, t- the other time you're on the same side, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to our categories. That Guy Award. Um, I hope we have the same person because I have Thomas Wilson.
2: No, I gave it to Crispin Glover. <laughs> really? Okay. I I don't know. I just but I think but, but I think it's because I I had I had Thomas Wilson in mind for a specific award and I really wanted to give it to him, so I, I didn't want to repeat. But I, I gave it to Crispin Glover. I, although I, the only thing I could, the only thing I think I know him from is from Charlie's Angels.
0: Who Crispin Glover? Yeah, he's in Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Ah, uh, that okay. Yeah, <laughs> so that that's I know him from that. I know him from Willard. So he's oh. in. Yeah, he's in a few things. Ry, what about you? I have Doc Brown. What? What?
1: That's the only thing I've known from
0: Christopher Lloyd. Is in Roger Rabbit. He's in Taxi. Oh, Ryan, you just infuriated Uh, me. He's he's Uncle Fester. He's Uncle Fester. Oh, Oh, Ryan.
1: Oh, I take it back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um. So, if you don't put him, who do you put? I'll
1: put the. I'll. With you, Dave.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I don't I don't know Thomas Wilson from anything else. He's just biff to me. But I get why you did it, Leo. I totally I totally get it.
2: Well, it's funny cuz uh, uh Ryan and I both have uh Thomas Wilson in we recognize him from uh um DC's Legends of Tomorrow. He's in Legends? Oh. Yeah, he came on he came on I think last season as one of like the directors of like that time travel company thing. Oh shit. Um, but but again, like when you see him though, you're you're not gonna say, Oh, that's Thomas Wilson. Oh, you're like, you, that's immediately you say, Oh, that's Biff. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, next up, Deadless Shrimp 6, Man of the Film Award. I went with Crisping Lover here.
2: See, that's where I put Thomas Wilson. Interesting. There is no back to the future without Biff.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a good one. I I mean, I don't think that there's a wrong one with either George McFly or Biff. I think they're both integral to the to the movie. But yeah, you're right. Biff is such a great antagonist. He's so great.
2: Oh, actually, Dave, let me ask you a question because I I don't know if you've if you thought of this too because it came up during my rewatch. So we know Biff, right? And he was in 1955. Yep. And we know Griff, his grandson, in 2015.
0: We don't know his son. Yep. They, we don't, we we don't, don't know, know his son. Yep. We never met his son. Interesting.
2: Yeah, there's no... There's, it's funny because, like, Biff is the antagonist of the movie. But Biff antagonizes different generations of McFly's. He's, like, he's the antagonist for George and for Marty. Because in Marty's timeline, there is no, like, his age group, Biff.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I think they kept, I think they did that because Marty's antagonist is Biff. So there's no reason to put his son in the movie as an antagonist to Marty because already Marty has Biff. Cause Biff, the Tannen family is the antagonist, the entire through line of the series. That's what I think. But yeah, yep. I, I, I peeped that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There's, we never meet his son. Not even as an, like, not even as an older man. So I'm, I'm with you At there. All? Uh, what about you, right? Who's your sixth man?
1: I had Biff as well. Like He's one of my favorite villains, and he just makes the movie. Man, I, the movie.
0: No, one, no one gave love to George McFly. I guess I was the only one. Now, and I don't really like Crispin Glover, to be honest with you, <laughs> but I thought he was really solid as George McFly. Um, next up, the Becky O'Shea Icebox Award, MVP of the film. I don't care if I cheated here because I threw Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, and Alan Silvestri as the MVPs of the movies. Yeah,
2: I, I agree. I, I I did the same thing. I, you can't, Marty and Doc,
0: you can't split them up. <laughs> yeah, Marty and Doc. <laughs> and the funny thing is, um, I think Christopher Lloyd was born in 1938. So in 1955, he was only 17. And they make him like I mean he does a good job playing this old ass man in both and if you notice, he looks the same in nineteen fifty five and nineteen eighty-five. Yes. The only difference is his hair is a little longer and a little whiter, but everything else is exactly the same. Um, what about you, Rai? Who do you go with? I went with Marty and Doc. Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those gimmies, like you can start these categories and you could just pencil this one out already because it's just such an easy get. Uh, and last last category here, peaks and valleys. My peak is Thomas Wilson. <laughs> I don't. I mean, this is it. I don't. This Back to the Future is it for me. I don't think he ever did anything that's as good or great as this. Uh, what about you, Leo? Who do you go with here?
2: Yeah, same. Uh, I, I. It's tough to not repeat things, but like even even Leah Thompson went on to have a successful TV career, yep. and Michael J. Fox went on to have a really really successful TV career, but. It's still Thomas Wilson. Just really had Biff.
0: <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ryan? What do you do? I didn't know about the TV career,
1: so I went with Leah Thompson.
0: Oh, okay. I mean, I know Leah Thompson from a lot of movies too, so that's why it was a little bit easier not to go with her. And, and we didn't talk about her enough. She's great. She's fantastic in this movie.
1: Oh yeah. Um, but what I a- just when did the research? There was nothing on her that I remember seeing her in, and nothing big. Gotcha. Uh,
0: Leo Valley
2: valley so it's a cheat it's definitely a cheat but billy
0: zane fuck billy zane i can't believe you said billy zane oh billy
2: zane that was billy zane's first ever movie credit it is so his whole career was after that so but like to be fair this is still probably the best movie he's been in with the exception of possibly arguing T- titanic
0: titanic yeah <laughs> i would have I, I what about you right
2: i went with michael j fox
0: that's a good so
1: he, one. After, you, he still has Teen Wolf after this. Same year, but I think like it still comes after this. And he has a bunch of stuff after after this as well. Yeah, he
0: has so many movies. So I wanted to go with Michael J. Fox. Um, but I have a rule. When I do these, if you win an Oscar, you just get put in here. Uh, so I went with Robert Zemeckis because he did go on to direct Forrest Gump and win Best Picture and Best Director. But I will say that I think Back to the Future is his best movie. But um, yeah, I went with Bob Zemeckis. But if I went one of one of the actors, it would definitely be Michael J. Fox. All right, so I added a new category this week, and I think I'm gonna continue doing this for the next couple of real Rillabacks backs that we do, and I'm gonna call it "Do the Right Thing." And why I call it "Do the Right Thing" is because we're gonna make we're gonna fix the mistakes the Oscars made. <laughs> And I'm going, and if you guys have any or you guys agree with me, by all means, here are the categories that I would have nominated this movie if I had the chance. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor for Glover and Lloyd, Supporting Actors, Production Design, Screenplay, Cinematography, Sound, and Score. I think those should have been where the movie should have been nominated for. Costume. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Costumes. Yeah. That's a good one. What, anything else on your end, Rai? Or just all the ones that's I said? I I can think of. Yeah. Uh, all the ones you said. And what about you, Leo?
2: Yeah, I'll close on. I think, I think, I think that's pretty, well, pretty much, I think all that encapsulates. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm good, good catch, Rai. I'm surprised that I didn't, I'm, I, I'm mad at myself for not including costumes. All right. So let's get into the fun facts here. Some of these are fun. Some of these are sad. Some of these are just, wow. So the are they, right
2: are they are they, are they are they are they all heavy?
0: They're pretty heavy. <laughs> They're pretty heavy. And there's nothing wrong with the Earth gra- gravitational pull. There's something wrong with the Earth, but not the Earth's gravitational pull. Um, this is my favorite fun fact, and I hope that Robert Zemeckis lives to be 125 years old because the rights to the film and the sequels are owned by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. And they've both been on records, especially Zemeckis. He has maintained that there will never be a remake or reboot of the franchise as long as he's alive. He would never, ever authorize a remake of Back to the Future.
2: Good. Bless that man. Bless, Bless him. That man. Bless him. Because
0: I've, I think we would have had one already if it wasn't for him. Um, Next up, the script was, remember I mentioned that the script was rejected for four years. The script was rejected 44 times before it was finally greenlit. Number three, when Lorraine follows Marty back to Doc's house, she and Doc exchange an awkward greeting. This marks the only on-screen dialogue between Christopher Lloyd and Leah Thompson, even though they have appeared in six movies together. Num- wow. Number four, Universal Pictures head Sid Sheinberg did not like the title of Back to the Future, insisting that nobody would see a movie with future in the title. In a memo to Bob Zemeckis, he said that the title of the movie should be changed to <clears throat>, Spaceman from Pluto. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a real story. Um, and he also suggests... He also suggested further changes like replacing the I am Darth Vader from planet Vulcan line with I am a spaceman from Pluto. Scheinberg was persuaded to change his mind by a response memo from Steven Spielberg, which thanked him for sending him a wonderful joke memo and that everyone got a kick out of it. Scheinberg, too proud to admit he was serious, gave in to letting the film remain, retain his title. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's terrible. What? number five claudia wells who played jennifer parker in back to the future part one gave her roll up to elizabeth shu uh for part part two and three because her mother was diagnosed with cancer oh wow so that that was a tough break there number six and this is where i meant that this is one of the most popular uh backstage see, backstage stories about Back to the Future. So Michael J. Fox has always been the first choice for Marty, but he was unable to do the scheduling <clears throat> due to scheduling conflicts with his work on Family Ties. As Family Ties, Meredith, co-star Meredith Baxter was pregnant with the film. Fox was carrying a lot more of the show than usual, so Zemeckis and Gale casted Eric Stoltz as Marty based on his performance in Mask. Now, What makes it so intriguing is that the movie shot for six weeks with Eric Stoltz and Zemeckis and Gale felt that he just wasn't right. He wasn't hitting the comedic timing that they wanted. So they finally were able to make a deal to let Fox make the movie as long as family ties was first priority to Michael J. Fox. So what ended up happening was they fired Eric Stoltz and they reshot every scene that he was in. So essentially the the movie cost a couple of more million dollars because they had to shoot six weeks worth of film all over again.
2: Oh wow. Damn.
0: Yeah. So going back to Eric Stoltz, um Thomas F. Olson almost had his collarbone broken in a scene where Marty and Biff are about to fight in the cafeteria because stoltz actually hit him (laughs) oh wow I, i think it was one of those and i go to i go into it in a couple of more facts that he is he's maybe one of those actors that's really into he's like a daniel day lewis kind but not as good gotcha so um going back during number eight during his time on a film and being a method actor, Eric Stoltz refused to answer to any other name but the character Marty McFly. When Christopher Lloyd was told that Stoltz was to be replaced, he asked, who's Eric? And after further explanation, added, oh, I I really thought his name was Marty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, According to Bob Gale, this is pretty funny because I know we know, especially you, we know people that love Johnny Depp According to Bob Gale, Johnny Depp auditioned for the role of Marty McFly. Gale stated, I looked through the notes and I said, geez, I don't even remember that we read Johnny Depp. So whatever he did, I guess it wasn't memorable. Wow. Number 10. Eric Stolt's scenes were all reshotted with Michael J. Fox, like I mentioned before, except two instances. During one scene in the 1950s diners, there's a close-up of Biff's, Biff's face as Marty launches a punch on him. And this was not reshot. That was Eric Stoltz' hand and arm. Also, when um, Marty was in the the DeLorean driving from the Libyan terrorists, that was Eric Stoltz driving as well. Oh shoot! This goes back to one of the things you said before, Ryan. The test audience who who saw the initial fil- uh, film did not know that the movie was intended to be a comedy. So, Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gere recalled that the atmosphere in the cinema started to get really tense during the scene where Einstein was sent through time because they thought that the dog had died. So, once he came back, it lightened the mood. Number 12. When Bob Zemeckis was trying to sell the idea of the film and the company's approach was Disney, I mentioned that it was too risque compared to other movies um, at the time. So, that led to Universal eventually taking over the movie. Leo, you stole one of my facts. Billy Zay makes his first on screen appearance in <laughs> Back to the Future. Number yep. 14. When Claudia Wells temporarily dropped out during the to schedule conflicts, Malora Harden was briefly cast as Jennifer oppos- opposite Eric Stoltz, but had to be replaced after Stoltz was dismissed, which allowed Claudia Wells to come back and play Jennifer. I'm glad Wait, she's Melora in
2: Malora Harden is the office.
0: Who is that in the office? It's Jan. Really? Oh, shit. I didn't, I didn't even know. <laughs> I've always known her as just Jan. I didn't know that was her name. That's crazy. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, how do you think she would have done? I don't know.
2: I, well, I mean, she would have been super young, too.
0: Yeah, because I remember she was in the um, 1996, 1997 uh, Tower of Terror movie, and she looks super young there, too, so I can only imagine in 85. Um, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. You, you just blew my mind, Leo. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Number 15. Christopher Lloyd based his performance of Doc Brown on a combination of Albert Einstein and Le- Leopold Stukowski. And Brown's pronunciation of gigawatts as gigawatts is based on a way uh, physicists with whom Zemeckis and Gail met for the research said the word. Number 16. This is crazy. Especially with how much people rely on visual effects, there are only 32 visual effects shots in the entire movie.
2: Love that! I Mm. freaking love that so much. Yeah,
0: it's crazy how like I mean we love these comic book movies and they use CGI really well, but I'm glad that practical effects are still appreciated. Number 17, Spielberg initially had some reservations about hiring Alan Silvestri as composer, having been unimpressed with the score of Romancing the Stone. During a preview of the screening in which the film was accompanied by a temporary track that only used part of Silvestri's score, Spielberg commented to Zemeckis that that, um, the sort of music the film needed, unaware that that was Silvestri. Wow. Number 18, the movie holds the record staying at the number one box office for three straight months
2: nice
0: and knowing the way the box office is that will never happen again I think that record is very very safe number 19 and I knew this and I always tell Jen when I watch this movie and she thinks I'm nuts but I'm glad that this is true the set for Kingston Falls and Gremlins is the same set used for Back to the Future Oh wow! it's the same town so I, I'm glad that I didn't go. I wasn't crazy thinking that. Um, Steven Spielberg gives a nod to Stanley Kubrick in the first few minutes of the movie when Marty is first over at Doc's house, looking at looking for him and doesn't find him. He looks up uh, his guitar and Doc's electrical equipment says CRM one fourteen, which Kubrick used as reference throughout many of his films. Huh. Next up, there are three people that were considered to play Doc Brown, Jeff. Goldblum, Dudley Moore, and John Lithgow. I th- think Lithgow could have done it. I think Goldblum would have been too young. Yeah, agreed. I ca- And I, I, I like Lithgow. Number 22, C. Thomas Howell was originally cast for two weeks as Marty McFly, even rehearsing with Crispin Glover Leah Thompson. And then after Mass became a hit, they hired Eric Stoltz. In April 2020, Bob Gale commented on the... Why don't they know each other? And they, uh, after, in 1985, and he pretty much said what Leo said. You really don't remember too many people from, from high school. Number 24, what a different role. Someone else was offered the role as Marty McFly, and he was also in another popular movie from 1984. Do you guys want to guess what who that is? Machio? Yes. So if we wanted Marty McFly to be the villain of the movie, Ralph Macchio. <laughs> um, next up, Tim Robbins was considered for the role of Biff Tannen. I don't know. I mean, that's Andy Dufresne.
2: He is Duf- super, super tall and imposing. I but can see it.
0: That's Andy Dufresne, man. That's Andy Dufresne. Um, this one, uh, number 26, a few more here to go. Sid Sheinberg, who mentioned before about changing the name of the movie, did have a good suggestion. Originally, Einstein was supposed to be a chimpanzee, and he made the suggestion to change it to a dog. So that's, a, that's that was some good advice there. 27, John Cusack was also considered to play Marty McFly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm good on that. So the original ending of the movie, the first draft of the script ended with George McFly looking at a 1955 newspaper with a picture of Marty on stage saying, nah, it couldn't be, but it is. Number 29. According to the casting leaked online, a lot of actors were considered for the role of Doc Brown. I mentioned a few before, but here are some other ones. Peter Boyle, Donald Sutherland, Ron Silver, Harold Ramis. I would have loved Harold Ramis, Steve Martin, Robert Klein, James Woods, and Danny DeVito. <laughs> I,
1: I imagine Danny DeVito right now is kind of funny. <laughs> I,
0: could, I could have seen it, especially with the the idea that Marty's taller than him. <laughs> <laughs> um, number Number 30, last one here. There are 113 sketches to what the original ending of the movie is. The original ending of the movie, Marty goes back in time using the power of a nuclear test conducted by the U.S. Army. But because it was so expensive, the studio would not pay for it. And they they decided to go with the clock tower, which I think works so much better because the clock tower is an important run through through the entire franchise. So I think the fact that they couldn't do... And I don't even know how that nuclear thing would have gone. Actually, we did see it in uh, Crystal Skull. So, (laughs) So we did kind of see it. So that was the original ending of the movie. And those are my fun facts about Back to the Future Part 1. I mean, before we move on to the other two, I think it's one of the best movies of all time. I think we'll show our kids and our kids. I think will probably love it and appreciate it for what it is. It's just one of those standard bearers in films. I think it's incredible. Now let's move on to 1989's back to the future part two. We're not going to go through all these categories. We're just going to talk a little bit about the movie. And I do have 15 fun facts about it. You guys, I think I know Jen prefers two over one, which is blasphemous. Do you guys feel the same way? I'll start with Leo.
2: So it's funny. I, I did i definitely did um when i was making my list like weeks ago for all the other things we've done um i always held part two higher in my mind um just for a lot of the things that they um that they alluded to for like really what 2020 now really is yep. um the whole it, so i did romanticize the film but like after re-watching it for the episode i kind of caught myself that like as its own and in- individual movie I don't think it's as good as part one but I do think it's like if you watch them together back to back it's an incredible one film
0: yeah yeah I agree
1: what about you Ray? I couldn't say better myself damn um (laughs) yeah for a while I was like on two saw because I did see two a lot more than I saw one. I think that because it was on cable a lot more. So I saw, it, and I was a huge fan of two. I was I was more intrigued in going to the future than going into the past, especially as a kid. So I think that had a lot to do with it. But like I said earlier, the more rewatches I've done recently with this movie, the more I've enjoyed this movie more and more. I guess you could say it's aged better.
0: Yeah. So I never thought that two was better than one. So um. But I think that two has the like I like what you said, Leo. It's romanticized for the future aspect. But you're only in the future for about 25 minutes. The last hour, 40 is, I would say 40 minutes you're in the future. So the last hour and change is all in the past again. So I get where you guys are coming from. I, I still love it. And I did take Before we get to the fun facts, I did take some, but maybe like two or three notes here. Uh, 2015 and Back to the Future looks like a much happier place than the 2020 we're living in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Air Mags, I really need that shoe in my life. Hint, hint, Jenny, while you're editing this episode, Air Mags, I really need this shoe in my life. Jaws 19, the tagline, this time it's really, really personal and it's directed by Max Spielberg. Jenny found that one and I'm like, "Oh shit, that's a, that's that's awesome." They predicted 80s nostalgia perfectly with the cafe 80s and how we long for like items from yesteryear. And man, they were so close to predicting the World Series. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I remember. I I I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I have never rooted for the Cubs so hard than I did in 2015, and the goddamn fucking Mets fucked everything up. Um. Also, we all know, and I don't have this in my fun facts, but we all know that alternate 1985 Biff was a spoof of Donald Trump. You guys knew that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um. They also predicted that the world would go to shit under Trump's regime in 1985. (laughs) So if you support Trump, don't listen to our podcast because he's an asshole. Next up, let's get to our fun facts. Only 15 here. So number one, according to Michael J. Fox, and this is funny, he found out that there was going to be a sequel to Back to the Future when he watched the VHS version and the words to be continued were added to the end of the movie. He immediately called his agent to make sure he was going to be in the sequel.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah,
0: because in 1985, it did not have to be continued at the end. Oh, shoot. And then I do have a fact about the initial concept of the sequel. Number two, this is the first film appearance by Elijah Wood. He is the yep. little boy when uh, they play the arcade. What is it? What's the game? Long- the Duck Hunter? Duck Hunter? The Gunman? One? The, the the cowboy game. Yeah. Number three, we mentioned before when we were talking about one, how I don't really like Chris Spring Lovin'. Crispin Glover so Crispin Glover sued the filmmakers as he had not granted permission to use his likeness in part two why because he did not agree to be in part two because he wanted I believe one million dollars and they did not want to give him that because an actor of his stature no offense to him was not getting one million dollars let alone close to what Michael J Fox would be getting. Number four. This was filmed at the same time as Part 3. It was claimed at the time that in four years since Back to the Future was made, Michael J. Fox had forgotten how to ride a skateboard. However, motor skills are not easily lost. Michael J. Fox has since stated that it was his early symptoms of the Parkinson's disease. That's why he was unable to get on the skateboard. Wow. Oh. Man. Yeah. Number five, after Biff gets his cane – and I think you guys probably noticed this as well. After Biff gets gets his cane stuck in the DeLorean upon returning to 2015, he starts to like – he comes out of the DeLorean like in pain. Do you guys remember that? So the reason he doesn't, I always wondered if it was this and it is this. uh, He starts to feel that pain because apparently having a hard time from coming back from the future – I mean from the past and the past changing – that version of Biff no longer exists, though he was disappearing like Mar- Marty does in 1955 uh, in the first one. That's awesome. So I, I love uh. the, small, the attention to the details there. Um, Zemeckis and Gale have admitted that they were originally not interested in doing a sequel. So you mentioned before, Leo, that it sets up the sequel beautifully. They never intended. That was not an, an ending to set up a sequel. So
2: they just did that they ending just, as a kind just, of an, an ambiguous
0: ending. Yep, and an open ended ending that now you know you can travel anywhere. Pretty much the success of the film brought the brought to light that the the sequels. So this is um, that was an interesting take that I did not know. Uh, next up, the plot line for George McFly being dead was actually written into the script because Crispin Glover refused to do the movie. What an asshole, man! What an what asshole! What was he doing? <laughs> Not much. Not much. <laughs> Nothing.
2: Nothing. Yeah. I think Dave said it earlier. Like the only things I that we know him from is from um I guess from you said Friday. Well for
0: me, Friday, Friday the, the thirteenth, uh Willard and, and like, Cameos. Uh, Charlie's Angel, yeah. Uh, number eight. This is and I have a story to this. Uh that's why I have it on here. To commemorate the film in twenty hitting twenty fifteen, uh Michael J's Park Michael J. Fox Parkinson Research Foundation released air mags so they released yep. the sneakers so i have a fun story for this uh the day before nike leaked the picture of the tube that the sneakers were in so i assumed that there would be a shock release so what i ended up doing was i called out of work and i went to new york at like six in the morning and i hung out around nike town on 57th and 5th ave and i hung out there for about six seven hours only to get a tweet later that stated that they would be auctioned off not sold in in wow. stores damn yeah I would give up a lot for those sneakers as a sneaker collector here um but the last pair went for uh my size the last pair I looked it up went for nineteen thousand dollars oh my lord yep so that's not happening and leo mentioned it before they also opened up a cafe eighties at New York Comic Con and they were giving out Pepsi Perfects as well and they also I have this the day of the USA Today actually released the front page of Marty Jr. being arrested and I have that as well you have did you pick that up Leo
2: yes sir yeah I think what happened like was um because I I went through so many newsstands here in here in like the tri-state area and everything was out everyone had like copies like they were like incredibly rare I had to recruit um some uh so I I went to Montclair State and I I was in a fraternity when I was there I was already graduated off of campus I had to recruit fraternity brothers from the university at Montclair State to get me the newspaper
0: i went through the same thing but i did not have a fraternity i just had a girlfriend at the time so i told jenny who is now my wife that please check every newsstand when you get because she worked in new york so i think i thought it would be a little bit easier in new york than it would be in new jersey and she found it right away in the first newsstand so i put because oh, when i was walking to work i checked everywhere and it was gone i think people were probably camping out for that uh, Absolutely. I don't know how much it goes for now, but it's just a great collector's item to have. Um, Next up. So, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the original plan for Back to the Future 2 and 3 was to be one movie. It's one script. The original script was 185 pages. Huh. So, when Steven wow. Spielberg read it, he was like, no, you have two movies here. You don't have one long movie. So that's pretty much one of the other reasons they decided to film everything at once because it was originally going to be one movie anyway. So that was an interesting take uh, next up uh, back. Like I mentioned two and three were filmed back to back after filming the scene where Doc and Marty returned from the future in 1985 a and dropped Jennifer off at her front porch. After this, the cast actually waited till daylight and filmed the end scene of part three where she is awakened. Yo, I don't I wish I was a little bit You know how much easy money she probably made? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Not for part two. She was actually in part two. I'm talking about part three. She did nothing. Uh next up, Leah Thompson, Thomas Wilson are the only actors to play the same characters young and old in four different time periods. Fifty five, eighty five, nineteen eighty five, alternate, and twenty fifteen. Nice. And then according to the book, We Don't Need Roads, the original plan for Marty's hoverboard was to have the name Swiss, uh, the Swiss watch company Swatch on it, implying that they branched out from watches since uh, 1985. <laughs> Dope. Last up, um, Robert Zemeckis was unhappy about the way Universal marketed the film. He actually wanted it. He wanted them to make clear that this film was ultimately a setup for Back to the Future Part 3. But Universal wanted to advertise it advertise it as its own independent movie and that's the reason I never could put this ahead of one for the simple fact that this does feel like it's setting something else up especially with how it ends I don't well, know if that's can...
1: the job of every middle movie in any trilogy is to set up the third one no?
0: depends because you sometimes have like for example like Batman Returns that's not setting it that doesn't set anything up it just true. That you know, and Batman Forever surely doesn't do any, Doesn't do any of the stuff Batman Returns does.
2: But you know, two. I guess the other thing is that Part One did so well on like just giving you so many plot in, so much plot information that you didn't really feel they were setting up a sequel. You just felt like they were just doing really good script writing. Yeah. So when Part Two came on and like dropped these little Easter eggs, I honestly just took it as that. I'm like, oh, this is just good script writing that's going to pay off later on.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I think, I don't know. I think 2 does feel, I don't know, because there's there's so many unanswered questions by the time you even get to 2. Because let's say 2 um, does it, is not trying to set something up and it, it was going to be its own self-contained movie. You really have the, what well, what the fuck happened to Jennifer? <laughs> Everything's fixed, but we don't know if Einstein's okay. We don't know if Jennifer's okay. So that's why I feel like it really, really pushed to set something up. Um, I do actually have, three more here, and this one's more as a comic book fan. The newspaper article in The Alternate 1985 reads that Richard N- Nixon is in his fifth term. This was also the plot point of Alan Moore's Watchmen. <laughs> oh, shoot. So that was a cool thing. And then, uh, let's see, what else do I have here? In early scripting, the DeLorean's malfunctioning time circuits were due to uh, the police shootout or old man Peabody's having damaged a car from gunfire. So there was a fucking shootout in Back to the Future. <laughs> and finally, uh, there are many differences that make this film unique from the other two. More time periods are visited in Back to the Future Part Two than any other. You go to 1985, 2015, back to 1985, the alternate, back to 1955, and then back to 1880, and then it ends in 1885 so that makes it a little bit more unique now let's get to the final chapter back to the future part three the western that i think i am the only one that really really loved and i hope you guys have the same feelings now ryan what do you think of back to the future part three no i've always
1: enjoyed it it's okay like cool. one of my favorite third movies <clears throat> um yeah no it's my favorite western <laughs> but no i i enjoy the hell out of it
0: leo
2: yeah, I'm still on the. Uh, eh, it's okay. Oh, it's Godfather. No. It's, it's Godfather. It's Godfather three. It's, no, Godfather 3. it's so
0: much it's, better than Godfather it, three. It's it, it, it's okay.
2: Uh, but I think you um you really made a really good point last um last episode when we were talking about our favorite time travel movies. I'm just not into westerns enough to get me past that on this one. There's still so much fun stuff and so many cool points that like tie all three together. But I just and this was way. More, more heavy on doc than marty to begin with like you mentioned too uh but i'm still i'm still very much like i can watch one and two as much as possible without still kind of like meh three is like okay
0: but you have to watch it though right do you feel like you have to complete it every time you watch one and two no i don't oh no leo you have to be a completist Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um i like western so i guess it was easier for me but i i think this is more like a satirical western because they do poke fun a lot at westerns throughout the entire movie. Um, I love three. I'm one of those. And Jenny, I don't know if she liked it, but I think she had the same thoughts as you, Leo. She said that it's not bad, but it's not. You know, she doesn't like westerns enough to just go through it and watch it. Um, I think and it's actually the second highest rated on RT of the three. Uh, number one is ninety seven. Num- number two is sixty. 63 I believe and then this one's 80 but to finish out the podcast I have some fun facts for Back to the Future Part 3 Um, number one here if I can find it is Clint Eastwood was asked for permission about using his name in the movie once he he consented they were able to use the Clint Eastwood name This is cool. This this is actually skills. Thomas Wilson actually performed all the horse riding in the movie.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, he did he also did the trick with the where he lassles Marty just before we meet the nineteen eighteen eighty five doc. That's pretty cool. So you guys don't like Westerns, you can blame Michael J. Fox because one of the reasons that it was set in the West is Michael J. Fox, who had commented to producers how he always wanted to be in a Western. (laughs) okay number four the first is the first scene in the movie where marty goes back to the future in the time machine powered by a bolt of lightning striking the clock tower is actually in every single back to the future nice number five for back to the future part two and three two years were spent building the sets and completing the scripts they were filmed back to back over 11 months Number six, in the first movie, Doc tells Marty that he was inspired to create the flux capacitor after hitting his head on the bathroom sink while trying to hang on a clock over the toilet. In this movie, when Doc freaks out after seeing Marty in his house and runs into the bathroom, you can actually see the clock hanging above the toilet on which he slipped. Number seven, this is a franchise trademark. In every film, Marty's knocked out. He always wakes up, says mom. Leah Thompson is always present and she tells him, be still now. And tells him for exactly how long he's been out. The role of Clara Clayton was written specifically for Mary Steenburgen. What do you think of Clara as a character? Time. Oh. I don't really...
2: Yeah, meh. <laughs> God
0: damn, you guys, you guys are killing me with part three. She was <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. There you go, right? <laughs> this is a long one. They're... Exists enough clues in all three movies to reconstruct the travels of DeLorean precisely to within a few minutes of uh, at worst, except 2015's Bill's arrival. There are a few interesting things to note. Not counting the time Doc traveled by himself, the DeLorean spent nearly 71 years on its own timescale from the first time travel to its de- destruction. By the time Marty made his ultimate return to 1985, he was approximately 14 days, 3 hours, 27 minutes older than he should have been. Jennifer, on the other hand, is 7 hours and 26 minutes younger than she should have been. <laughs> Another interesting conclusion is a point of contention. There are two theories, one of which drops the last the last item. On November 12, 1955, between the time Biff arrived... And 6.30, 8 p.m., there were four DeLoreans present in Hill Valley. One, the instance where Marty was trapped in 1955 in the original movie. The instance where Biff came to 1955 to give himself the almanac. Three, the instance where Marty and Doc came back to 1955 to take the almanac back. Four, the instance where it was awaiting in the abandoned mine for Marty and Doc to find it.
2: Oh, wow. That is cool.
0: So, I I don't know. Some argue that according to the ripple effect timeline that as presented in the film, there wouldn't be a DeLorean hidden by Doc in the mine until later that evening when the lightning blast would accidentally send Doc back to an 18, 1885. So, here's where I disagree because let's say that's correct, right? The lightning hits and that's when... You can look for the time machine there in 1885. They don't go to the next day because I remember at the beginning of part three, Marty and Doc are like sleeping in the, in his house. So that's where I disagree. So that was an interesting thought. I, it's pretty cool that I would never sit there and try to put all that together. So good for them. Uh, Next up, the film marks the only time in a trilogy where Doc Brown exchanges dialogue with a member of the Tannen family because he never talks to Biff. True.
2: true.
0: Number 11, another franchise trademark. In each of the trilogy, Thomas F. Wilson ends up covered in manure. <laughs> this is more... His jet lag must have been crazy. Uh, for three weeks, Bob Zemeckis would fly to Los Angeles after his days filming the train, uh, of the train climax of this movie to approve the sound dub while he went back to film more of roger i believe roger rabbit so he would be on a plane every day for for three weeks that's ridiculous uh the photographer at the film festival is the film's director of photography dean cundy who is a great guy met him a few years back uh doc brown's wardrobe is inspired by professor marvel marvel's in the wizard of oz uh, when Doc blows the train whistle, saying "I've I've wanted to do this my, that my whole life," this is said to the boy in *The Polar Express*, another film by Bob Zemeckis. This is last one here. Uh, no, few more. In e- in each of the movie trilogy, there is an early scene that foreshadows an event that occurs in the third act. In the first movie, a figure of a guy clinging to the clock is seen in Doc's lab, which foreshadows the climax of that movie. In uh, Doc says he wishes the post office was as punctual as the weather at the end of at and at the end of part two, you see a postman delivering the letter to Marty.
2: Yeah. Yeah, So
0: there's some dope stuff there. All righty. Actor and former president Ronald Reagan was originally approached to play the part of Mayor Hubert because his fondness for the film. (laughs) The part of Sheamus McFly, or she- was it Sheamus or Sheamus? Oh, no, it was Sheamus. Sheamus, Sheamus. Like the wrestler. Sheamus. Marty McFly yep. was, uh, was originally written for Crispin Glover. Even though he <laughs> fucking shunned them in part, in, uh, in part two, uh, they still want... Actually, no, it was filmed at the same time, so they just want him to play different roles. And uh, 20, the saloon in 1885 is in the same location as Lou's Cafe in 1955, the gym in 1985, and the Cafe 80s in 2015
2: nice
0: i figured it hmm. was a cool one ended on so we'll never get a Back to the future part four and i hope we never get a back to the future remake so with this three movies do you think it's still one of the best trilogies of all time Hmm. yeah undisputed definitely yeah. i i don't think there's any denying how great this trilogy is and i mean i don't is this the only time travel trilogy that you can think of Ooh. yeah because you do have to, we have all these time travel movies, but I don't... Yeah, because High Top Time Machine... No, we're, we're, we're silly. Terminator. Oh, oh duh. But we just don't count everything else after part two that we forget that the other garbage exists.
1: But that's really a saga. This is more of a trilogy, though. Yeah. Like he really wants to
0: hairs. Yeah, so...
2: Yeah, and that's trash, and this is good. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We
0: like this. So, one, <laughs> one last thing before we go. It wasn't... It's not really a fun fact. But it's something that I found like five, six years ago. Have you guys seen the YouTube video with the little boy on the train at the end of Back to the Future Part 3?
2: Yes. The little pointing finger thing?
0: Yeah. I'm not going to say what he does. But all I got to say is, listeners, just YouTube, little boy, Back to the Future 3, end scene. And you guys will see what the hell we're talking about. So that wraps up this week's episode. I was trying to think of a witty pun, but I got nothing. Until then, see you next week kids.
1: Tell me doctor, where are we going this time? Is this a fifth disc?